Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. The Sunbelt football season, it's right around the corner in stadiums from North Carolina to Texas will once again be full of Sunbelt football fans. We're excited to be transitioning back to our three episode per week rotation beginning on Monday. But before we do, we promised you a bonus episode and we're here to deliver on that promise. Before we tell you more today about today's exciting episode, here's a quick reminder about our most recent episode. Caden and I sat down with ESPN College Football Analyst Rocky Boyman to talk some Sunbelt football and preview the upcoming media days for the league. If you haven't listened to it yet, make sure to check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Today on episode 91 of the show, we're excited to welcome College Football Campus Tours Michael Barker to the show. Michael has been to all 14 Sunbelt stadiums and will provide some great insight along with perhaps settling a debate or two. Caden, we got a chance to meet Michael at the Georgia State versus Coastal Carolina game last fall. He's easily got one of the craziest travel schedules in the world. Do you think you can handle it? I definitely could not. My days of having Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday games and pairing that with Saturday games is about as far as my football travel schedule can stretch. But you'll, the, the fans and audience will hear more about his experience and his travel stuff and the amount he puts on his plate is insane. And the amount of detail he has that goes into that schedule is also insane and impressive. Hey, there aren't many people who have visited 133 FBS stadiums, if you're keeping count, that is every single FBS stadium currently in existence. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's get into our interview with College Football Campus Tours, Michael Barker. Well, this one's going to be a fun one. Michael Barker of College Football Campus Tour joining the Frary and Smith podcast. Mike, thanks for uh, coming on today. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate you having me. Well, Mike, let's jump right in. And uh, what we want to hear is a little bit more about your story. How did you first get started with this journey that's seen you go to all 133 FBS stadiums? I know your dad was a linebacker in college and that had some influence. When did you know that you wanted to visit every FBS college football stadium in the country? It was in 2017. So I took a vacation to a hotel in Colorado. It's called the Stanley Hotel. And if you've ever seen the movie The Shining from the 70s with Jack Nicholson, uh, that was the movie that it was actually based on was Stephen King's experience there. So it's in uh, uh, Lake Estes, Colorado. And on the way there, there's Colorado State in Fort Collins and University of Colorado in Boulder. I did a couple campus stops. I really enjoyed it. And uh, when I got home, I started doing little trips. I did two to Arizona for Arizona State uh, in Arizona, went to Oregon, did two there, Washington. And then I just decided the natural progression was to start going to games. In 2017, I did 13 games. 2018, did 30. 2019, did 50. And then COVID hit. And then 2021, there was the spring and fall season. I did 81 there. And, uh, you know, I accomplished my goal of 130. So it was just inspiration from traveling, but um, it got ramped up since then. Kudos to you, Michael. You definitely gained and made a lot of ground up in a short amount of time. But one of the things I love about your content and just your knack of finding the fun little details and facts about these stadiums. I remember when we met you at Georgia State, you were finding all the little intricacies of the old Turner Field and how that's been transformed. What's that process for like, like for you for gathering that information and kind of sharing it with other people? Yeah, and first, you know, I always like doing a podcast with guys that I've met in person, and it was great to meet you guys at Georgia State. It's always cool to to be able to do that. So 
the process for me in the off season, I get a lot of time to research things. You know, you guys know how it is trying to find content. And there's just this little niche thing about everybody has a fondness for their stadium. And so if you have a guy showcasing all of them, uh, then you find these interesting little quirks. But uh, what I tell people is you could have your rankings, but when you go to a stadium, you're going to find things you like, you're going to find things you didn't like. So uh, Georgia State, for example, a lot of people don't prefer a baseball stadium turned into it, but the way they did it, I really like it. They put those uh, in the right field, right center bleachers. They move those seats. They're really close to the stadium. So for me, it's a combination of research during the offseason and then just my experiences at the stadium, I kind of know what I'm looking for when I get there. And I always try to go in an hour and a half, two hours before the game and just roam the stadium and see if I can come up with something. Yeah, I've always enjoyed some of the pictures that you share of the uh, obstructed views in the different stadiums and the tickets that are actually available that you would never want to sit in. Um, I've got to ask about how you manage your schedule. I struggle sometimes to manage mine and I'm not in multiple cities on a singular weekend. Uh, take us inside, you know, the scheduling and the planning element of this journey that you're on and feel free to maybe give us some tricks that you've learned over the years. So it's from the week zero to week 13, it's 90 days. And I know we think that the college football season, it, it's a, it's a marathon and a sprint at the same time. So, uh, when you're on the road for 13 straight weeks, it feels like a long time, but it's over very quickly. So, the first thing I do is I prioritize every game that's on a weekday. So, for example, the reason a guy from California has such a connection with the Sun Belt is because you guys play all those Fun Belt weeknight games. I've been to App four times, Coastal four times, A-State three times, Troy four times, uh, Louisiana three times. And, you know, I pro I've been to Texas once. I've been to Texas A&M once. So you can just see what it is. But um, I always prioritize the weeknight games. When I was going for my goal to see a game at every stadium, I had to fit those in. But now we're kind of in the bonus round where I can go wherever I want. And uh, my other goal is always to try to hit two games on a Saturday. So they announced the kick times for the first three weeks of the season. And then during the season, they have the 12-day rule and the six-day rule, which is they can wait for the holds, which is great for them. But for me you know, the longer you wait, the more expensive a flight is. So uh, right now I have my schedule planned for the first three weeks is for the Saturdays, but every Saturday after that is open. And if you ever get a P5 on a weeknight, you go to that. And you ever get a uh, two for one in a close driving range, you try to do that as well. That's some good stuff for sure. Some good planning ahead and appreciate you sharing that side of it. But let's let's get into what we're here for. Let's talk about these Sunbelt stadiums, the interest of this podcast. The league has some great stadiums to offer. We know you've seen them all. Do you have a favorite or maybe one that just you've had the best experience at over your years? I mean, it's hard to argue with uh, Kid Brewer and Boone. We just did a, um, a poll of the top 60 or 64 G5 schools on Twitter. And that thing, I did it last year, and there was some engagement. This year, it was crazy. And uh, it came down to four great stadiums, and App made it to the final, and they and they won it. And it's a combination of things. So I always talk about the movie as Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner, the baseball field. There's a, you know, a cornfield made into a baseball stadium, and they say, you know, this is not a spot where there's supposed to be a field. Well, when you drive up to Boone, uh, the elevation is 3,333 feet. It's the highest FPS elevation of any stadium 
uh, east of the Mississippi River. And you just get this feeling like you're going to an isolated place. I mean, yes, there's plenty of population there now, but it's a business trip for a road team. And then, you know, I've been there two years ago. There was uh, that Wednesday night game against Coastal, 31,000. I mean, talk about any G5 getting a sellout on a Wednesday night. It's unbelievable. And just the transformation of the stadium. The first time I went there in 2017, it still had the track. That end zone football operations building was not there. And over the course of five short years, I mean, it's, it's transformed to one of the best, you know, visually looking stadiums. The game experience is awesome. I know that for the North Carolina game, they somehow fit 40,000 people in there. So uh, there's plans to expand the stadium in 2025. But to me, it's it's app. And then, you know, you can go into other stadiums as far as, you know, which one is the best, which one has, you know, the the uh, best vantage points. But the one that checks all the boxes for me is Kid Brewer. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I too have been to a game there now. Uh, obviously, Caden played there and I definitely have to echo that. But I think this is perfect because there has been a big debate on Twitter recently. The Rock versus The Rock. App State versus Southern Miss. Both stadiums are called The Rock. From your experience, like, how do we break that debate? Well, I know that there, I wished on my Twitter poll that uh, Southern Miss was up against UAB, and if they won, it was going to be the Rock versus the Rock. And so I was hoping that would settle it. But, you know, I, I as far as I, my understanding that the, the Rock in Southern Miss was named the Rock prior to App State, uh, you know, I don't know if the naming, you look at Death Valley uh, for LSU and Clemson. Clemson was called Death Valley before LSU. That doesn't stop LSU from calling it. Uh, Southern Miss at its peak, the game day environment is amazing. I mean, I know a lot of us remember the the 90s teams where they would play anywhere and they loaded up their schedule. I live on the West Coast and Fresno State is very similar where they would go anywhere and play anywhere. And so that's a scary place for people to go and play in, in Hattiesburg. The fans are amazing. That stadium has improved too. Um, you know, can you say one rock is superior than the other? If you told me I had a uh, choice to watch a game at either App State or Southern Miss, I had one game left on my schedule, I would choose Kid Brewer. Uh, but that's not a slight at Southern Miss. Well, you know, I personally appreciate that and appreciate just the detail you went into about the game day environment there. I'll never forget my first unofficial visit driving up the mountain thinking there's no way there's a school up here, much less a football stadium. And it's definitely once in a lifetime kind of thing. But translating that to App State's rival, Georgia Southern, I know as a player, that was one of the hardest places to play. Granted, that was a rivalry game. That environment gets a little bit different when the sun's down. But could you just maybe speak to your experience going to Georgia Southern down in Statesboro and what that stadium has to offer? Yeah, so when I was accumulating numbers, Georgia Southern ended up being uh, my 100th stadium. And it got a lot of attention. My, there's my friend, Daryl Lynn, she's on Twitter. Shout out to her. Uh, she set up a day where I started out with a TV interview with uh, the local news, uh, ended up getting shout outs from Cole Swindell and Jared Benko and Chad Lunsford and went to the game. And even though it was a COVID limitation game, it was a Thursday night against South Alabama, the crowd was unbelievable. And with three minutes left to go in the game, I got a DM and they invited me to shoot the uh, howitzer on the field. Uh, when time expires in the game, they don't have that howitzer there anymore. But, you know, the nickname for Paulson is the prettiest little stadium in America. Uh, you know, Irk Russell started that program from the dirt up. 
you know, what's cool about the app and, and Georgia Southern rivalry is, you know, it goes back to the FCS and they both programs have grown. Uh, Georgia Southern's sixth FCS national championships. You know, we all know about the success for App State, multiple FCS championships, winning at Michigan, putting the program on the map. And so it's always better when these teams come, you know, the cream rises to the top. And so uh, I, I'm going to Georgia Southern. They have a Thursday night game, October 26th against Georgia State. And, you know, you see all the hashtags, Southern, not state and all that. Uh, so I'm very excited to get a first non-COVID game experience there. And, uh, you know, that app, I know that I think you guys play the end of the year or two uh, for a, a game. So when app is elevated or when Georgia Southern is good and app is good, it's probably the best G5 rivalry we have. Glad you said it and I didn't have to. I would de definitely recommend that game to anyone that is interested in just seeing a good group of five rivalry for sure. But another stadium I would always, always recommend for people to visit and a, uh, clearly a unique one because of the teal field is that Coastal Carolina environment. I know even from the standpoint of the parents and people that would come to those games, they would always brag about how it just was nice being in that area and they had the most to do. Can you just talk about maybe the Coastal Carolina game day experience as well? Yeah, so ball at the beach is the hashtag. Uh, we all know that they use that for recruiting. And it, it's, I mean, the environment is lovely, you know, close to Myrtle Beach. But that's another one that I visited uh, early and the stadium has transformed. I mean, they've had the, the turf, I think, since 2014, but they put a second deck on the roadside. There's more plans for a big operations center. So the first time I went there, they lost to, I think it was 2019, they lost to Louisiana 48-7, to and they scored a touchdown with a minute to go. Otherwise, it would have been 48 to nothing. Then they played uh, Kansas in 2021, and they sold that place out after beating Kansas in uh, Lawrence in 2020, and that, that environment was great. And, you know, we talked about the 2021 game at App when uh, App knocked off Coastal. Well, the revenge game was last year in Conway. And I, I want to say that it was a stadium record for capacity. And just like App won and rushed the field in 2021, Coastal won and rushed the field in 2022. So, uh, you know, I've, I've got close with those guys the, on Twitter, the coaches, and, you know, those guys moved to Liberty. So I'm looking forward to connect with Coach Beck and the new staff down there. But that place has really grown as far as the game day experience. And it's warranted because if you look at their record over the last three years, I know Coastal gets a lot of hate within the Sun Belt, but they've earned their position with their performance on the field. So uh, they do capacity-wise have the smallest capacity stadium in the Sun Belt, but if they keep winning, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, I definitely have to echo. I have uh, I was actually at that Kansas game uh, against Coastal Carolina, and just the environment uh, was fun and. You know, to the student section, you just never know what they're going to say. Uh, it is, you know, a, a ton of fun uh, over in Conway. Uh, we want to ask you about uh, the new members that the Sun Belt added. They bring in Old Dominion, Marshall, James Madison, and we've already touched on Southern Miss a little bit in this episode. Out of those new teams, if, if you were putting on your recommendation hat and you wanted to recommend to maybe a visiting fan, which one of those venues is like a can't-miss stadium to go visit? So I would say the, the nicest stadium is Old Dominion, uh, SB Ballard. They, I, I visited there. So in 2017, I, I went to 99 schools, and I just visited during the summer, and I got to see these stadiums, not for a game. And back then, it kind of had that old little Ivy League stadium feel. Um, 
kind of a bowl shape, concrete and brick, just basic. And over the course of a couple of years, they just uh, transformed that place into a really nice stadium. So as far as, you know, a stadium head, go appreciate the the newest and, and best. I would go there. Uh, we talked about Georgia Southern and, and App State as far as the FCS tradition. You know, Marshall is right there. And if you look at what Marshall has done, uh, you know, FCS National Championships going to the MAC. We all have memories of Randy Moss and Brian Byron Leftwich getting carried down the field by his offensive linemen. And there's something about, you know, Boone. I'm not saying Boone and, and Huntington are similar, but there's that similar feeling of you're in a place that is really all about football. And, uh, you know, one of the highlights of my tours, I went to the 49th anniversary game of the plane crash uh, in, in 2019 and got to see the whole ceremony you can visit there. But as far as passion, the, the Marshall fans are unbelievable. And I truly think you mentioned all four teams that got added. That really elevated the Sun Belt to where it is as far as um, many people argue it's the top uh, G5 conference out there. What they had before was great, but these four schools all have longstanding football traditions. We keep it regional so you can all hate each other. But what's funny on Twitter is everybody goes to bat for each other in the Sun Belt. You know, it's like a family kind of thing. So when they play each other during the season, yeah, they're going to go at it. But when somebody comes after one of their own, they're all backing them up. I mean, we had this App State in the championship, and I can't tell you how many quote tweets were like, vote for your SBC brother. You know, re- elevate them. So uh, I think the the combination of the Sun Belt, what they've done prior to adding those teams, and then just solidifying their position as the top P- or G5 conference after those additions, I think, you know, the trajectory is way up. Really appreciate that, Michael. That's definitely something we talk about a lot on the podcast, but hearing it come from your perspective and even thinking of what these teams bring from a stadium perspective and a culture perspective. And I know when it gets to bowl time, we're all rooting for some about teams as well. So that was beautifully put. And I think our next question for you is kind of what's the sleeper stadium do you think of the Sunbelt Conference? I know there's a couple hidden gems. I know for me personally, it's Arkansas State. I love the games I played there. They have a crisp stadium. They have the fountains in the corner, whether it's night or day. That's like my sleeper pick. But what's one that maybe is not talked about enough that you think deserves a little bit more attention in the conference? That's a really good one. Uh, Centennial Bank is a really good one. Again, I visited that in 2017. There were no waterfalls. There, they, it was. It felt really basic. And, and they had done the press box before then, but I love that. I will tell you my sleeper is, is Texas State, uh, Bobcat Stadium. And, you know, I do these things on Twitter where, and it's been a lot of Sunbelt too, because you can do similar angles from a, a photo from 1997 or 2007, and you can compare it what it is. And, you know, you'll have, for Power 5 schools, you'll have to go back to like 1958 to compare it to something to show a drastic change. But when you look at what Texas State was in the mid-90s versus what it is today, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, I, you know, I, sometimes I'm at a loss for descriptive words, but it looks very, I'm going to use the word regal, but that's not what I mean. But just from the outside, the facade, it, it looks like it has like this castle feel. I don't know how to describe it, but it's very visually appealing. It's in a horseshoe now. They've added the second deck. I know they're going to be uh, continuing to upgrade that the end zone facility. And what was cool during, I went to a game there during COVID and it was, you know, we had to space out, but they had uh, on the end zone facility, it's kind of uh, uh, 
like in a horseshoe shape, but they have this balcony and they have all the cheerleaders on the balcony over the top. And it's just a cool little viewing angle. So Texas State to me is, you know, we know that, that Texas puts invests a lot in football. And uh, I think that the Sun Belt is lucky to have those guys in the conference. And that would be my, my sleeper stadium. Yeah, that's a that's a great pick right there. I think too, and I'll have to get you to do some research on this, but it might be the only Sunbelt Stadium that has been in a hit television show. It had its cameo in, in Friday Night Lights. So you need to dig in and maybe see if there's another one uh that has been. But um, you know, moving on, the other thing that you've become known for in, in recent times is the statues. They've almost taken on a life of their own along with your stadium visits. Uh, what attracts you to the different interesting statues that you see at the stadiums that you visit? It's a way. So I don't collect anything. You know, there's guys on Twitter, my friend Jerry Quickle, he he has like 515 helmets and there's people who collect things. And I just I don't want to do something unless I can get it all. And so the way that I look at the statue photos is it's a way to commemorate your visit next to something that is a as a proud lot landmark on campus. And so, you know, we have all these schools that they have different, uh, you know, there's, there's three, there's a bunch of tigers and there's a bunch of bears, but what's cool about the Sunbelt, you got Warhawks, you got Trojans, you got uh, Raging Cajuns, they got the Fleur de Lis and all that. And so for me, um, you know, I, I, I'm a brand ambassador for companies called Homefield Apparel. And so I send them uh, a list of where I'm going. They send me shirts, but Really, you know, we were talking about how I started in, in 2017. I was walking around Folsom Field in Colorado, and there was a bronze Buffalo Ralphie statue. And I just asked a student to take my photo there. And when I went an hour north, it was Fort Collins, and there was a bronze Ram statue. And so I was like, hey, is there one at every school? And so now, you know, I don't want to be standing next to statues, you know, when I'm 75 years old. So I'm trying to knock all these out while, you know, I'm still young. but Really, what it comes down to is it's, you know, when people take graduation photos, they're doing it in front of the statue. When you go to a game and people are out before they let people inside the stadium, they're taking photos there. So it's really a combination of a symbol that uh, a lot of money and time and investment was put in there to represent the school. And it also is a place that, that on game day or graduation photos. It attracts people. So it's just a simple thing. I know other people want to track down the live mascot, but I know there's a person in there and I may not like them as much. So uh, we'll just stick with the statue. Well, it's definitely working well for you. I feel like you have the hands in the pocket pose in front of the statue down to a science now. But what's your favorite st statue in the Sunbelt Conference? You know, I'm partial to the Yosef statue with the hands above the head. Ho Coastal's humanoid like Chanticleer chicken is interesting. And you have the Georgia State Panther one kind of front and center in your sight. What would be your favorite you'd say from the conference? Man, there's so many good ones, but uh, I do like the Warhawk at ULM. Uh, it's right in by the library. There is a uh, there's a roundabout there, and it's right in the middle. Uh, you know, I do look like first of all, I love Yosef because he's putting his hands up like like almost like touchdown Jesus. You know, like celebrating a touchdown. But uh, you know, the the Sun Belt has a couple schools: Arkansas State, um, ULM. That when you change your mascot from the Indians. A lot of it's tough because like I live in California and Stanford is the Cardinal and they used to be the Indians. And now their cut their their uh, their mascot is a symbol of a tree and a color. And so when I try to find a statue at, at um, Stanford, 
all you can do is find the founder of the university. But I like the Warhawk. It's it's fierce. It actually has been my phone background for like four years, the photo that I took. But they're all good. Uh, I do like the Red Wolf. They, they put one right outside, uh, another right main spot in the campus. Uh, I'm missing one. I need JMU because they were in FCS and they moved up last year. And so I got to check that one out. And there's a big Duke dog out, out on campus. I got to knock that out. But if you told me I got to stand next to one, it would be the, the Warhawk down in Monroe. Well, I, I love to hear that. And I, I've enjoyed too, just some of the, maybe the ones that we didn't necessarily expect to hear from you. So I've definitely enjoyed that. Well, this is the portion of the podcast where we're just going to go rapid fire questions here. These aren't necessarily Sunbelt related. Um, and we're going to start with this. Which stadium that you visited has had the best press box food? Mm, so I will say this. So I spend most of my time out in the field uh, because how can I phrase this? I call the press box jail, right? Because for a guy who wants to be roaming the stadium, you're not allowed to cheer. Uh, you know, you got a lot of people that are in their stories. And so I definitely stop up there, especially on cold weather days. I would, I, I, I'm going to say that the best one so far was Hancock Whitney, South Alabama. Uh, that is a beautiful new stadium we haven't even talked about. But uh, when you up your game and you make it, they host the senior bowl. And so the, the spread there for me has been the best. I just went there for the, the Troy game last year. So I'll pick uh, South Alabama. Hey, I will echo that. I have had the the press box food at Hancock Whitney, and it is it is not bad. Uh, what is the most memorable game that you've attended? It could be Sunbelt, and it could be you know broader scope as well. Mm, most memorable game, man. There's there's so many. Um, I will say this: I've rushed the field at ten FBS stadiums, and uh, you know I I would put that record up against anybody. Um, I guess I'm going to just, I'll, I'll say, if you give me two, the, the back-to-back App State uh, Coastal 2021 and App State App Coastal 2022. When you have, you know, the, the immovable object, which is App, and then you have the, the upstart Coastal, and they had all the success in 2020. We know that the Sunbelt Championship game with Louisiana got canceled because of COVID, and there's just this underlying unfinished business even though coastal beat them in in uh, lafayette earlier in that year but the build-up for coastal really in 2021 having thoughts of maybe being a, a outside playoff contender if they ran the table two years in a row they got up in that game uh, i want to say 14 nothing in boone and then that running game just took over and and they came back and 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 Stop that undefeated season for Coastal and then go the next year that you circle it. Caden, you know, you play, you circle games on your calendar. They circled that one in Conway. The app crowd contingent at that game was huge. Don't get me wrong, but those Coastal fans, they showed up and they won that game and, and rushed the field the same way. So those two back to back in the series really stand out. And I'm going to be in Boone on October 10th for the round three, the trilogy, and I can't wait. Hey, that'll certainly be a fun game. I know a game that Caden and I are already looking forward to on our schedule. Uh, which FBS stadium is currently your favorite to visit? So I say I say the Sun, Belt, Sun Bowl in El Paso, okay? So it's the second longest running bowl game behind the Rose Bowl. Uh, it's almost 4,000 feet elevation. It's literally on the U.S.-Mexico border. 
when you go towards the top of it, you can see through the valley into Mexico. The roadside bleachers were actually carved out of the mountainside. It's this serene location. I mean, El Paso is a huge city, uh, but that place, it, it kind of goes back to when I tell people, so you'll see all these rankings for stadiums, you know, top one in the ACC, top one in the SEC. But these people haven't been there. So, uh, you know, if you don't say that, um, that Florida State or Lane Stadium or Clemson are the top in the ACC, you get ridiculed. But these are people who haven't been there. So for me, the Sun Bowl is just this combination of um, serene location, history. Um, and my dad played there when he was a player, too. And if I had to have one game, it would be at the Sun Bowl. And uh, it's not it's a little bit of an out of the box answer, but that's my number one. Well, I'm definitely going to have to uh, we're going to have to add that to our list in the future. Um, what is the most games that you've ever attended in a weekend? So I think seven is the most if you count Ooh. if you count the week. So um, so when Mashin hits, there, it's a three week period in November and there, it's the Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you'll get a Thursday game, a Friday game. So uh, for three weeks in a row, you can hit Tuesday through Saturday, which is five. I always try to hit a, a day game and a night game on a Saturday, which is six. So if you do six times three, you're hitting 18 and in 19 calendar days. There was a week last year where I did three on a Saturday. It was a 11 a.m. Gardner-Webb. It was a 3.30 Charlotte, and it was an 8 p.m. Wake Forest. And so those are the days where you're just like – I remember I was in Louisville, and they – it was an, in my mind, it was an hour and a half before the game, and they weren't opening up the, the stadium. And I'm like, Will you let us in? You know, I was impatient. And somebody said, it's two and a half hours before the game. And – I didn't know what time zone I was in. I didn't realize <laughs> what it was. But, yeah, the most that I've ever done is seven in a week, and that's what you try to do. I mean, that's that's how you get to 133 FPS stadiums uh, in a five-year period. Oh, I love some of the inside baseball there. I don't know if I will ever do it to the extent that you have done it, but uh, certainly appreciate that. Uh, last question, this rapid-fire section. Uh, which team in the country has the craziest fan base? Oof. Oh, man. So. Well, I, I will tell you this. Being from California, my whole life I've heard about the SEC and the Big Ten. And you don't know if it's true. And part of the reason I wanted to travel was to find out. And it's absolutely true. Uh, you know, in California, we have we put an emphasis on the pro teams. You know, the Dodgers won the World Series. The Rams won the, the Super Bowl. The, um, you know, the, the Warriors won the NBA championship. Unless USC is number one. There's no interest in football here. So when I went to the South, I mean, I'll give you an example. I went to Tiger Stadium 2018, LSU playing number two, Georgia. It was uh, before Joe Burrow was Joe Burrow in 2019. And those fans from an hour and a half before the game, um, a bunch of vulgar chants that, you know, apparently are allowable. And, uh, you know, they beat Georgia 36 to 16. Joe Burrow ran for like 70 yards on 18 carries and two touchdowns, which the next year is, you know, throwing for 5,000 yards, but rushed the field, did all that. And, and to me, an iconic place like Tiger Stadium, which started out as 12,000 seats and now is, you know, in upwards of 100,000. To me, that was the most ferocious place. Another place underrated, Kentucky. They, and maybe that's another SEC school, but Anywhere where what I if you look at the playoff teams, usually it's Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, 
none of them have pro football teams in their stadium. So any place where, you know, you get a, a, a college uh, player coming and visiting a classroom, the kids, they look up to that. They want to be that. But in a state like Georgia or California where their pro teams get the emphasis, uh, kids want to be that professional player. So long-winded answer, but I'll say LSU. No, that's some great stuff, Michael. Really appreciate the insight. And before we let you go, we got to ask you one more thing. You touched on it a little bit before, but for anyone who may be interested in checking out a lot of stadiums or making maybe, maybe making a little stadium bucket list of their own that they want to visit, what are some tips or maybe some advice you have for people who might be interested in doing something, not maybe not as big as you're doing, but at least similar to what you have going on? Yeah, so the first thing is try to knock out your local stadiums. Uh, you know, again, I live in California. We got Cal, uh, Cal Stanford, San Jose State. Other than that, you're driving a long way. But people, you you know, North Carolina, you could throw a rock and hit 30, 30 schools. So for me, the first thing would be to try to knock out the, the close ones. Maybe you want to do something like knock out an entire conference. Uh, you know, there's 14 teams in uh, the, the Sun Belt and there's 13 weeks in week zero. So maybe one Saturday for an entire season, you go see all of them. When it comes down to uh, stacking games, all these, you know, Conference USA is going to be playing weeknight games this year. Maction, it's always the fun belt. So those are ones to do it. And another trick is work east to west. So when you go to a game on a Friday night in, you know, I'm going to uh, Corvallis, Oregon State on a Friday night. Well, it's hard to get back east for a noon game. It's almost impossible. So try to work east to west. Uh, my, my dream is to see a game in the East Coast or in, you know, central time zone, catch a plane and get the last night game on the West Coast. That's my dream. But really uh, start local, maybe focus on a conference. And then after that, try to get some weekday games, maximize your trip. Maybe you take a week off work, you can get four or five of them. And then just to be most time efficient, work East to West. Well, Michael, uh, appreciate that insight there. That's a lot of fun. This has been uh, one of the more unique episodes that we've done on the podcast. We appreciate the insight and uh, for your time today. Absolutely. And, you know, I love the, like I said, a Sunbelt guy from California. It seems rare, but, you know, guys like you, that you guys have skin in the game. You care about it. When you go and visit these stadiums, the, the Sunbelt fans are passionate on Twitter. So um, I'm, I met Commissioner Gill twice. And I told him, I said, you know, hire me to be the Sunbelt promoter. So far, he hasn't taken me up in my offer. But uh, regardless, I love being a part of the Sunbelt. So thank you guys very much for having me. Yeah, thanks again. And definitely look forward to uh, seeing you on the road sometime this season. Absolutely. In Boone. Caden, I've said it once. I'll say it again, as we continue to rack up these different interviews, I I tend to rank them in my head. In that interview with Michael, it was different than our normal content, but it has to be right up there with some of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. Definitely. That's just one one of those ones. We always get one every now and then where we have certain guests that just keep a smile on your face. And Michael was the one that did that. He unlocked different memories of mine that I had from playing in the Semba in these different stadiums. And just a huge shout out to him for being just, I think, a great ambassador of football in general through what he's doing in the conference specifically. You could tell that he has love for the sub kind of like we do too. Caden, I don't know about you, but I found it extremely impressive. He did not see those questions beforehand. His ability to recall both games and emotions from those games just at the tip of his tongue uh, was quite impressive. 
It definitely was, man. I think I I forgot that some of the, he was talking about some games I was playing and that I forgot that happened. So his ability just to remember his experience and document them and put them out there on social media for everyone to enjoy has been a treat. And he definitely inspired me deep down inside. I don't know enough to, to go to every stadium, but he definitely, I don't know about you, Noah, but I'm ready to hit some stadiums now, check some stadiums off my list and check out what not only the Sun Belt, but just the entire country has to offer in this great game. Yeah, I got to admit, I'm feeling the exact same way. I think the one that I'm definitely going to add to my list in the next year, uh, you've talked about it. So many people have. I really want to get down to Statesboro and watch a game. So that's definitely going to have to uh, be on the agenda for the future. Well, that will do it for another fun episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to College Football Campus Tours, Michael Barker, for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Monday. Caden and I are going to be previewing the Sunbelt East Division and making our predictions for the upcoming season. All right, everyone, that's it for today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love to ask you for one favor. Share this podcast with one of your friends. That's all we're asking for, one friend. If each of one of you shares just this with one other Sunbelt football fan, we're going to double our listeners overnight. I'm not great at math, but uh, they tell me that's how it works. Anyways, have a great weekend, everyone. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Prairie. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.